is Rashonda Thornton, the host of the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. Thanks to local farmers and wonderful supporters such as Undeniably Dairy, we are proud to present to you the weekly Wellness Coalition panel series. This is a 10-part series where myself and a rotating cast of experts will discuss meaningful topics focusing on what means the most to you during this COVID crisis. So that means every Thursday, I'll have panel guests that will bring great insights, perspectives, truths, and possible solutions. So again, thanks to Under Ivy Dairy and the local farmers, this is able to be aired to you every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. on my Facebook page at Rashonda of Better Vessel. You can also see it on my YouTube channel and all other podcast stations and podcast platforms. So enjoy the show. And please reach out if you have any questions or have any topics that may be of interest to you. Well, we are here with another episode of the Weekly Wellness Coalition panel. We are actually on week number nine. We've been doing this over the last eight weeks and we're pushing through, getting close to the end, but still providing great information. I want to introduce myself. My name is Rashonda Thornton. I am the host of the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. And this week's Wellness Coalition panel is going to focus on education and finding ways to uh, improve health, especially in regards to exercise virtually, uh, considering what's going on with our current COVID crisis, and even uh, wrapping some things what's going on with our um, racial unrest. So what, before I jump in, I want to introduce my um, guests that are coming across the U.S. Um, I got first here, Dr. Darian Parker from Washington State. Um, he is a co-principal of Epic Leisure Management. He's also a live virtual trainer and the host of Dr. D's Social Network. He actually have a lot of more things going on too, but I'll let him expand upon that. <laughs> <laughs> I have with me here right down, down the street, uh, Sharita Love. She is the founding director of Ed Hub St. Louis that is a, in conjunction with Venture Cafe right in the Cortex area of St. Louis. Um, and I have here with me from Ohio, um, Heather Fries. She is the owner of Fries Personal Virtual Training, creator of Phoenix System and Revolution. And again, she has a, um, a nice resume underneath her belt too. Uh, so without further ado, I want to just say welcome guys to coming on the podcast panel today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, as I have been putting together different topics, um, I try to put topics together that addresses the needs that people are having. And you'd be amazed in the beginning of my building of my topics, this wasn't a part of it. But as this progressing, you realize what is the need and how can we address some of these um, services that are out there for people that may feel that they're limited on what they can do, what they can learn. And so bringing you guys on here is, be, is a great opportunity to um, to, to speak upon that and to give people ways in which they can choose and find out what works best for them. So we're going to just really jump into the first topic and we're going to focus on, I know this is a, the virtual platform has, has kind of already been your, your thing, what you, you're used to doing, but for some people, a lot of people, this is still kind of new territory. So knowing that it's new for people, there's a lot of adaptation to making sure that you're still providing a, a service that they feel comfortable transitioning into. And um, Sharita, I'm going to uh, really kind of throw the mic at you in the beginning, because uh, I know you work with Venture Cafe. I've been in Venture Cafe. Um, it's a well-known and respected hub that throughout, that's actually not just the St. Louis, but it's in other parts of the U.S. and other countries. But it's basically a place for entrepreneurs, um, technology, art, um, just a place where people can connect 
op- education opportunities, programs, always something going on there at Venture Cafe. Um, so being the eHub director, um, how have you been able to adapt some of those events um, to a virtual platform? And how has, has, how has it been received from your participants? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a really good question. And, you know, uh, you know, we didn't have much of a choice now, did we? <laughs> and, and, you know, being an organization, if people aren't familiar, just quickly, uh, Venture Cafe, uh, as Rashonda mentioned, is a global organization and, you know, known by its in-person gathering. Yes. Where in St. Louis, 500 folks between the hours of 3 to 8 p.m. come to, uh, you know, what looks like networking, but, you know, intentionally connect with those who may have similar interests and may have uh, opposing interests, uh, but just to learn about, you know, what's happening across the land, the business landscape in St. Louis. And so when COVID-19 happened and we had to switch that thing off and, you know, attempt to, you know, provide that same space for connecting uh, virtually, uh, as far as Venture Cafe uh, went, that was it, very difficult. As a global network mm-hmm. uh, in thir- like 13, 12, 13 countries, like how <laughs> to, to like Synchronize switch that, that. Off. Yeah. yeah. Synchronize and switch it off. So it was, it was a, a quite the heavy lift. Um, and so EdHub sits as a program underneath uh, Venture Cafe and its focus is to do that same thing for educators. And so very important for us was to just allow space. Uh, I'm, bi- I'm really big on building community, um, allowing space to unpack what's happening. And so we, we were very intentional about, you know, first in the education space, since things were coming at teachers and uh, program professionals who worked in education to take a beat and not add to the noise that was happening. There was Mm. so much that was happening, so much information that was out there. We wanted to be really intentional at first about just slowing down and and just allowing things to settle a bit. Yes. And then allowing space for people to convene together uh, virtually. So, and to unpack what's going on and to bring to the forefront what's important to you for Ed Hub, for Venture Cafe, like how we continue to move forward and how we show up. Um, So, yeah. Well, I mean, I was um, delighted to be a part of that conversation, um, working with your educators and providing an online um, mm-hmm. presentation that focuses on wellness yeah. and, and um, exercise. So, yeah, I, I saw the different types of different um, speakers you guys had, different topics, and I was thinking, they really put this together pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm sure it was more peddling behind the scenes, but it really, it, on the outside, it looked pretty, pretty clean and smooth. So I want to commend you for that. <laughs> uh, so Heather, you, um, you work, um, cause you own your, um, private training, private personal training, um, company. Um, uh, and you have, I'm sure I have already been working with clients from afar and working with them virtually. Um, but it, stepping stepping on the outside, like how have you seen this being, you know, the virtual platform being kind of used um, during um, this I, during the coronavirus? I've seen Jim just create makeshift live events. I've seen. I mean, I've seen these new YouTube videos. But I mean, at the same time, like you already have been here, um, and so like, what is your perspective on how you have seen people, you know, coming on to that to that stage of the virtual training versus in person? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, In terms of your question, yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of talk to people about the industry becoming um, very, very saturated 
um, and people becoming pretty overwhelmed with all the options. I think it's great that we have all these options for people to pursue. Mm -hmm. um, even as gyms, you know, reopen, I think people are still going to be a little reticent you know, to go to gyms uh, yeah. just for their own health or whatever. Um, so I think there's a ton of options out there. And I think uh, what it's really done is it's helped the industry grow. You know, there's a surge in online or virtual training with various methods of executing it, right? So you have people who do live workouts, like you mentioned, Zoom sessions. I use a mobile app, you know, workout templates, you name it. People are being very, very creative, right? In terms of their exercises, the way they're delivering their service. I see a ton more body weight exercises, various modalities, people coming up with clever ways for people to work out at home with no weights, you know, filling up <laughs> milk jugs with water. Um, but it does sort of lead to information overload. And yeah. I think that's where, you know, the unfortunate aspect of that is things can become confusing, I think, um, I think it can be misleading. Um, and so I just, I always encourage people to beware and just like anything in the social space, don't just take one post and run with it, right? Yes. You need to really research and make sure that what you're buying into is good for you and is going to help you achieve your goals. I think that is so true. Um, and you know, I can relate to just how you just you get you come you become faced with just from zero to ten with all this information. Everyone's an expert. Everyone has this. They have the promise that's going to help you to change, and you don't really know which stuff to take or what's best for you. And so you are either jumping on because your cousin or your friend is doing it, or because this person just really looks cool in their exercise routine. With actually without actually knowing like. Is this person qualified or is this something that you that's really good for where you're at in your physical or health journey? And I think that's something that you speak upon because you work in that you working within the realm of having a history of being in the military, having a history of um, just being in leadership positions. You have already been able to work with people and helping them to know what's best for them and providing that service. So I think it's a big deal to make a distinction between um, what's best for you when it comes to the exercise. Because I mean, a person can, I'm sure Dr. Parker, this would be more for you. A person can easily hurt themselves, you know, by just following, like you said, fill with milk jugs, but can you, are you doing the right position? Are you moving at the right tip? Are you holding your core? All the different intricacies that you won't know just on virtual platforms if the trainer doesn't see it or points it out. Um, and we all know that along with the training and Sharita with the education, there's webinars, there's virtual conferences, it's more podcast shows. <laughs> it's, it's been a, a lot of influx. Um, research has shown there's been an 88% increase in the traffic of any level of e-learning. So like Heather says, it's like overload almost. And it could be overwhelming. So when it's overwhelming, sometimes people just, they throw their hands up because they don't know where to start. Um, and so with Dr. Parker, I know that you um, work, you, you've done management, you have education, so many different parts of being from behavioral health to physical ed, exercise, and you've ran a lot of different organizations. Like how, how are you? How have you um, used your profession to help those to better serve their constituents when it comes to their clients or even in their business, especially right now when there's so many things coming at them? Well, uh, again, thank you uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I think. Um, I think about in the sense of like, especially new technologies and new things that um, it's good to educate people that there have been previous technologies that people were 
he uh, hesitant about before. I mean, there was a time when uh, the elevator was, it was scary for people to get on and there was attendance on because people were so scared of it. And then we adopt that. You get on one, you don't think about it now. You just mm -hmm. do it for that. And a, most, a lot of technology or anything that's new is, is always very, um, there's hesitancy for that. I mean, we're seeing that in, as technology and it cycles through in a very, very fast time and multiplies on itself currently. And so what I've seen on, whether it's from a live virtual training level or from uh, managing, you know, the operations of clubs or uh, through owning a business that looks in the country club market and corporate fitness and things is just really educating people on what's the, how does it feel to start in these areas? And like you mentioned, there's so much overload. I also compare it to like, if you go out to eat, let's say at a restaurant, the menu is gigantic, you tend to default back to what you like because it's easy for you. And right now people will default back to what they feel is comfortable for them with that. So I say, hey, let's understand the behavior behind how people generally act, understanding that where they add on conscientiousness, where they add on openness, agreeableness, neuroticism, all these different aspects of being a human being, and that our behavior is on a continuum. It's flexible, mm -hmm. malleable. And in different times like we're, we're in right now, we have to be malleable, we have to be flexible, and on any level of organization. As um, like Sharita was saying, she went from this huge in-person thing to now having to go to uh, creating this virtual network. There has to be a certain level of malleability for people to be able to jump onto that and then trust it, but also not validating that it's scary for them. It's just say, hey, well, we just need to start doing this. It's important to understand to say, hey, there is a fear behind it. Let's tackle that. Let's look on that on every different level of organization and let's validate that it, it can be difficult, but also hear the positive things behind it as well for us to move forward in that. That's a great way of putting it. Um, I do think that <clears throat> you get people, you have to find out where people, help people to figure out where they're at and then what is going to be the steps that they need to take versus just jumping on, you know, whatever, you know, Sometimes people jump on things because they're they're just fired up and they're just making this self-promise to themselves and then that doesn't really create rational thoughts of what they can really do that's sustainable. And I think that, like you say, you have to just really help people to figure out, like, you know, where are they at in their learning journey to apply, you know, and then consider what's happening right now. This is a big part, you know, that we don't know how we're going to respond. No one was prepared to this response, you know, and you still don't know how you're going to respond the next day and the next week and the next month. We have no idea. So it's a, it is a continuum in, some, in such a sense. Um, and considering um, the overload and how you have, you're faced with 30 exercise um, trainers that said that they can provide this work, you know, and not and being, and being faced with what works for you. Um, can you speak upon what should be some things people should look for uh, when it comes to, let's say, you know, let's say they're new to it, you know, what would be, considering also the older population, because I want to include them as well, it's important that they, being isolated, being at home, not being able to travel, still find some way that they can move their body. But what would be um, some, I guess, more user-friendly virtual platforms that people can perhaps or know where to start when it comes to their exercise, their wellness, not even just exercise, wellness across the band, across the span. I ask a lot of questions. This is for me. Yes. me Dr. This. Parker, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, probably one of the easiest ways is 
and adopting a new thing, you try to make it as the entry level as low as possible in a sense of like you uh, friendliness for it. So obviously most people have a smartphone. And so having them start with what they already know how to use and then take platforms that they may be used to using already and then slowly introduce them to new platforms that may be of higher quality uh, or just more secure and things of that nature, kind of a stepwise progression with people for that. And then I think just what's interesting, I think about fitness and wellness, and, and I'm, I'm sure Heather understands this as well, especially is that our, our profession has suffered for a long time with um, not always the most credible, um, educated um, people and the, the bar to be in our, in our business is extremely low to be, you know, and, and personal, a personal trainer, a fitness professional, group exercise, whatever it may be. So um, we're living in an age right now where there's so much information and often what gets publicized is the fitness enthusiast or the influencer. And so mm -hmm. people are very taken by somebody who looks good or how, they, how you're supposed to look in their mind. And they think that person is what they should be striving for. And so you're also just trying to reprogram people and provide information and context to me like, okay, is it just like when you're reading a headline to an article and you just erupt from the headline without actually going in the weeds and looking what is actually being said in the article? And often with fitness and wellness is people see what they would like to become versus understanding what it actually takes to get to their version of what that would be, their genetic potential, what, they, what they're willing to do, uh, with that, the psychosocial behaviors related to that. So again, back to education about that, we need to be able to read the article, not just the headline. And unfortunately, a lot of it's just, you see somebody, they have a lot of followers and you think that person knows what they're doing. That's generally not true, actually. I, so I agree. Telling people that like, you need to look further and deeper into what are the proper platforms that you use, who are the proper uh, credentialed people that could be leading you for this, and are they a person that you feel comfortable being uh, working with in these in atmospheres and environments. Yeah. Now, that's a great point. Um, now, you mentioned something about like the best entryway, you know, starting simple and then getting to something more sophisticated. Um, now, Heather, I know you have an app, correct? Um, and is your, is, how is your app um, fit to, you know, meet someone's need, fit them where they're at and then to help to progress them and provide them you know, informative information along the way. Yeah. Um, well, first, I love what Dr. Parker said. I mean, ap absolutely agree in terms of our industry, you know, honestly, and I think that's something um, that people viewing your podcast should know is, you know, to be a personal trainer, you don't have to be certified. You know, to be a physical therapist, you do. To be a doctor, you do. Mm -hmm. But not to be a personal trainer. And so that would be the first thing that I would recommend, regardless of whether it's a subscription-based program or one-on-one -on -one personal training, whether it's virtual or in-person, ask for that person's credentials and make sure that they continue to maintain their certification through continuing education and make sure that they specialize in an area that you need help with specifically. Right. And so like I specialize really in older women. I mean, I, I can train other people, but, but where my, my passion is, is training older women um, and specifically strength training, but I train people for marathons or whatever. So how do I meet them um, where their needs are? And that's what I love about my app um, because I have different exercise videos 
with different modifications, you know, different progressions and regressions based on where the person's at. Mm -hmm. And I st step one is really doing a virtual video live assessment. That's what I was thinking. That's probably, mm -hmm. Yeah, to better understand. And, and I ask a lot of questions and sometimes that throws people off or, or uh, makes people not want to sign out, but I have lengthy questionnaires around their health, medical history. What do they do on a daily basis? Cause that affects their muscle imbalances. We do a posture assessment. People my age, I'm 52, you know, we, we developed some pretty, just all of us sitting here. If you sat all day long, you mm -hmm. would be developing muscle imbalances and the doctor could go into this much more eloquently than me. But um, definitely you want to find out what's going on with them and you want to find out what their goals are. Most importantly, you want to find out why. Why are there those their goals? Because it's that why that serves as that critical motivation. And so that's why I love my mobile app because it enables me to deliver the actual exercise and nutrition program, you know, specifically for that individual. And then I do coaching calls to make sure that, you know, we maintain contact, that I update their program um, as they're, you know, as they're progressing in it or not progressing in it. And we make those adaptations that we need to make to make sure that they're achieving their goals. Well, well put, well put, and that really just ties into what Dr. Parker was saying about the behavioral aspect of it. And when you're able to do an assessment, because I, I was thinking assessment needs to be done and people should want an assessment because that's how it, you're going to better help them help themselves, you know, and being able to also glean their, you know, where they are in regards to like their mindset, you know, what what's their personality to what's going to fit, you know, them um, and be able to work with them to help, you know, guide them and move forward in their, in their exercise or activity. So it was, it was a great point that you brought in the assessment piece and that defining, you know, a personal trainer can be a hat that anyone can wear, but if you need to do your homework and, and so you know that the person that is working with you is a certified professional that has been trained and is continuing to get educated and training to make sure you're safe and moving your body in a healthy way. So in regards to education, Sharita, now we're talking about, you know, um, the simplicity of introducing um, services, you know, virtual. Um, when you had to, you know, transition to your educators, um, was there any, like, what was, I guess I want you, I want to speak to the user end because this is what kind of what we're focusing on right now, the user end. Um, and also people are on here, they're trying to figure out how they can serve their clients, their their students or whomever is on the other side. What were some of the, um, what were some of the things that you realized when you were putting together like the classes or the events that posed to be a little bit more kinks in the system um, than what you expected? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go back to uh, the connectivity um, and I'm speaking specifically to the, the work that EdHub does. Like our, our main focus is for educators to connect, to, to uh, commune with one another, um, understanding the issues that, of inequity that are present in education and how through our connection, we can then uh, collaborate to make some things happen differently. Uh, doing that in the virtual space is not, the easiest, right? And it's such and a needed so, service. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, just because, you know, a lot of times, particularly as educators, we 
um, and I can, you know, speak to it plainly because that's been my experience and, you know, over years and years and in, in doing this work, um, sometimes we feel paralyzed in the fact that as the person delivering this education service, working within the system, that we don't have the power to create support and move change. And so, um, you know, being able to be in community with one another to see like, oh, okay, you're here too, you're doing this too. This is really critically important to, to amass the, the, the strength that we need in numbers to, to make things shift. And so uh, that's been difficult. Um, and so I'll say relationships too, also like relationship building, uh, being able to um, kind of move some things forward because, you know, people move mm -hmm. with the speed of trust. You know, you have to have some relationship building foundation there uh, present too. And that's been hard to, to, um, to replicate virtually. Yes. And so um, sometimes it's been necessary to pull, um, you know, some of the work offline to have some individual conversations, uh, some, in, some individual Zoom calls, uh, some personal calls, um, just to, um, to kind of tighten that, that community piece because everything, you know, we, I mean, I've had calls, probably the, the one I had last week, there were seven, close to 700 people on the call. And so it's really hard to build <laughs> community wow. and, um, you know, have that, that relational piece present. So um, a lot of one-on-ones calling on coalition to help with one-on-one. So yeah, community relationship has been kind of tricky. Yeah. That's to work around. Yeah. It and that's like the relationship piece. I think that's that's the that's the new for a lot of people because they're not used to relationships where you can only see the person versus actually Ooh. being next to them. And what you find out um, is that there can be connections, there can be relationships that are built virtually. You're still able to make eye contact. You're still able to see nonverbal communication, yeah. and you still can get that energy from that person that's across the screen from you. So I think you know, even though, like, say, in the beginning, it's still it's a working in progress, but it seems like the more people get used to it, they're able to kind of jump on board and find that they can have that. They probably are needing that connection, I'm sure, right now. And they're opening up that window of allowing this to be a part of their opportunity to build community vir virtually. Yeah, and I would say, uh, just added to that, Rashonda, like setting the stage, like those of us who are hosting these spaces, mm -hmm. being very intentional about inviting it. Like I invite you to turn your camera on. I'm going to yeah. be intentional about when I'm speaking, I'm going to be intentional about minimizing my presentation because we're in a virtual space. It's kind of hard to make those connections. So I'm going to like use my presentation, but when I don't, I want to be in community with you. So I'm not going to have it up on the screen. So like just sitting on and set a stage for inviting that, um, it helps. Okay. Wait, repeat that very last part. It's cutting in and out. And if it's, we may have to cut it if it's getting too, but say that last piece, got it sounded very, I know it was very important, but I wanted to make sure I got that in the listeners too. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, you know, being very intentional about setting the tone and inviting, you know, um, um, the, inviting the space that you want to create uh, is really important. Got it, mm -hmm. got it. Um, that I wasn't planning on this part, but that what you said is very important because if your only tool is the virtual piece, you have to be the one, you know, especially if someone's not used to it, they're already uncomfortable, especially I know with Dr. Parker and Heather's um, clients, people are uncomfortable 
you know, talking to someone about their health and their body. And so you are already coming in with that as an obstacle and you have to be the one to, op you know, create that safe environment, create the energy, to give them something to inspire to want to be a part of uh, because, you know, that's what this is. The only tool is a visual tool. Um, and so Dr. Parker, I have, a, and that's actually something that I have to do because I, as a dietitian, I have, a, I just shifted everything virtual and I thought, oh man, yeah. I, it's so better, it's so much better to have my clients next to me and I can just have that strong relationship. And I actually had to switch gears and I found that I am still able to build that one-on-one -on -one connection from afar. And I've actually expanded my clientele more virtually and it's actually has been a very great connection. And so it's for me, it's eye-opening too. So I know that this is something you guys do on a regular basis, but even for the newcomers, the people that are already in professions have to shift their work onto the virtual platform, giving them encouragement, letting them know, like you say, Sharita, you have to set the energy, you have to set the pace because you got the, the other people there, you don't have to set the platform for it. So um, I have a question for Dr. Parker. Now we're going to talk about, you know, the, not the user in, anymore, but the, the conductor in, those who are on the other side, creating that energy, creating that platform and creating the... The, the first steps of their relationship with these the, their um, constituents on the other side. <clears throat> now I know that um, what how what would be like your tips on especially right now? Um, you know a lot of clients that you have, and they're not just dealing with you know their own physical um, their own physical abilities, but they're also adding on this layer right now of what they're going through as far as the world, their, you know, about their health, their safety, in um, regards to the COVID, uh, it, you know, more specifically, um, how have you been able to, especially talking about laying the platform, how are you able to boost their morale and kind of help reduce their stress, get their mind off of it? Or what would be your tips for those educators or those ones on the other side that wants to create that same type of um, service to their clients or patients or students? Yeah, well, I think... Um... I was very fortunate that I started my live virtual service several years ago. So I had like a head start and cause I, and because of what I do in my different businesses and fitness, so I have to always be ahead of like, where, what's the projection of where the industry's going trends and things of that nature. And I saw that this was an area that I felt like eventually down the line, there would be a lot more live virtual services or virtual online services for fitness and wellness. And so, um, Actually, for me, as I moved from Las Vegas to Washington State, I just decided to move my entire business live virtually okay. for a personal training. So that was all of my in-person clients. Everybody moved on to that. And uh, wow. I think they were skeptical initially of it, but I think they recognized they were still getting me. And I had, I had tested it over a long period of time, too. So I had a lot of beta testing. I had a lot of uh, ways to like, let's do this when you're on vacation. Let's do this, you know, you're two months in this place, whatever it may be. So it was a lot of testing with initially and then going into it, actually. Um, it was really just saying like, how do we create that sense of community, that sense of this, this feeling that you have about me already? Will we still have that feeling still for that? And I think after the, they started doing it, they realized actually it feels even more intimate than being in person. Okay. Actually, a lot of clients tell me that, and these are people who have been with me for over a decade. Mo you know, a lot, most of my clients have been with me, with me over a decade. And they were like, this, this sounds weird, but it, it's actually even more intimate being with you huh. like this because you're in a sense, you're in this, uh, 
you're basically in this tunnel with a person in many ways, especially when you're doing it live virtually. And so if we think if you're on a FaceTime call uh, with somebody and you're doing, you're having these mannerisms that you may not have in person with somebody. There's a sense of like, you have to be aware of your gestures, your hands, your eyes, things going on around you. Whereas when you're in person with somebody, many times there, especially if like if you're a gym, there's distractions, there's music, there's other people, members, employees, whatever in setting you're in. And it's, it's very easy to just be a part of the noise and the background in that. And that both sides can be very distracted even during the session with that. This is like being in a two-way um, tube. And so you're just more aware hmm. of who you are and how you're presenting yourself. And that's why people are getting things like Zoom fatigue because they're not used to being on like this all the <laughs> yes, time. Yes, that's so true. And no always wider. looking at somebody. And then you're seeing yourself in a window all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's weird too. So it's like, then you're looking at how you look. You're never looking at yourself like that while you're performing a service. So you're wow. critical of how you look, how you're presenting yourself, how you feel and all these things. So there's all these different elements that you're not accustomed to with that. And so with people that I talk to about getting into this platform with it is understanding those things, performing a service, understanding, you know, are you using AirPods with it? What's your connectivity, your 3G, 4G? Yeah. Um, who's your cellular service you're using, the platforms, where there's a lot of technical aspects to it, whether it's live versus whether it's more of just um, online program design versus that. There's just a lot to it. And what's I think can be hurtful is and what's hard is a lot of professionals just jumped onto it initially because they felt they had to in order to understandably so to make an income, to save their business. But what happens is produced a lot of really poor, low quality versions of the service. And so it does, it doesn't help the service <laughs> that it's a viable thing for some people when it's done poorly, they go, see, it's not very good, but that's because there was no lead up to it. There was no education. There was no mentorship to it for that. So it goes back to the same thing, finding people who are maybe have been ahead of the curve on it, or even, mm -hmm. even if they're doing it, they've taken the time to really understand the environment. It's not just about training people. Yes. and doing exercise and progressions is that there's a whole other behavioral aspect and technical technology aspect to it as well. It sounds to me like um, whomever is on the, uh, whoever is hosting the entrepreneur, the trainer, the educator, you want to invest in, you know, the proper equipment to make sure your services suffices and it doesn't create, it's not a gap between um, the, the quality and you want to invest into learning, you know, and having a mentor, having someone that's have already been in the field that can coach you and work, you work with you through this because you're your best product. And if that, that is represents you, if your work is not up to par, then you're going to lose out to the clients. You're not going to be able to be as successful in your um, endeavor. Now I know Dr. Parker, you have a particular, uh, I know you have a podcast show, but you also, I just seen you just um, open up your called podcast pro. And is that something that you, uh, a, a a service you have opened up for entrepreneurs to kind of help them through this or what is the podcast pro? Oh no, that's not mine. That's a service oh, that I, uh, okay. Podcast hero. It's podcast just a way to hero. support podcasters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just think it, people podcasting, I love podcasters. I enjoy doing mine and, um, it's just a way for podcasters and kind of a community aspect of like, you can support your favorite podcast through like, $5.99 a month, $5.99 a month. It goes okay. 
to those people you support. It's just a okay. little small token to say, hey, I like your podcast. And if you get enough people doing that, it's actually a pretty viable way of making some income as a podcaster. It's a different approach than buying ads and things of that nature. You know, oh, okay. Well, that's even what good called, too. For what is it again? It's called Pod Hero. Pod Hero. Okay, Pod Hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it on LinkedIn yeah. He uh, on one of his posts. And I was like, hmm, what is this? And I just mm-hmm. like that you find ways to help support the supporter. And I think, like I say, you're building a community, you're building that language where we can kind of learn from each other because we can all, we're on good as our, you know, no one can do it on their own. So having people that you know you no. can have these conversations yeah. with and learn from is only going to help you um, in your business or profession, which helps the clients that you work with. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side, Heather, um, what would be some things that um, when it comes to creating your service online or virtually um, that you want to try to avoid uh, when you're when you're building this outside of just jumping on without really getting any <laughs> proper training, what will be some other things that what will be some things to try to avoid um, building this type of business? Uh, from a user perspective or from a fitness professional perspective? From a fitness professional perspective. Yeah, well, just kind of building on what everyone else has said. I think one, you know, I, I actually am bought into a mobile app. It's not my own app, um, but I researched a lot of the virtual training apps quite extensively before I uh, bought into one. And I wanted it to have, you know, have all the flexibility I needed plus the user experience I needed. And so that's what I would say is number one, do your research and understand what's out there. Now, some people have created their own apps and that's great. Uh, what you have to remember is you have to maintain that, right? So you have to keep it updated and that sort of thing. If that's something that you know you have the ability or the funds to do, that's great. Um, and then I think the other piece is to make sure it offers the ability to create those connections. Um, and what, that's what I love about my situation is, you know, I can have virtual um, live calls with people. And that's where I'm able to, you know, build and then maintain a really good relationship because that is the key. And I, and, you know, my goal isn't to, um, you know, to have new clients every other week. My goal is to be where Dr. Parker is someday and have clients for a decade. You know, my, <laughs> I've only, great. I haven't been in this forever. You know? I've right. been it in this for lot. just a little over four years. And I actually have some clients who have been with me the whole time. Uh, which is awesome. But I think that's the other thing is, you know, just make sure that it gives you the ability to create the connections and deliver the service that you want to deliver because that's critical. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all delivering a service, right? And yes. people are hiring us for the service that we deliver. And so you want to make sure that that experience is easy for your end user and functional and, you know, gives you the ability to execute it the way you want to execute. Great. When, and I am I, I'm like that you're able to kind of open up like what the capabilities that you look for when you're utilizing this gateway between your clients and yourself. Um, does there any similar um, uh, apps that you would find that's, um, that could provide similar, um, I guess, features for someone that's, that's doing another type of service? Let's say, um, you know, maybe a mental health professional or maybe an educator or maybe a dietitian. Like, is there, is there something similar to where someone can utilize the platform that's able to do real-time, you know, connectivity and conversations and send things through the app as well as some pre-planned things already on the, that's built in? 
Yeah, I think there's there's various apps that allow you to do that. Um, and I think they all come from the perspective of health and wellness. And I think with the surge that we've seen, they're all adding various features. So what I use allows me to manage nutrition um, and it basically manages it through a connection with my fitness pal or Fitbit. Okay. Um, and they're working on other connectivity. I hope they connect the Garmin because that's what I use personally <laughs> with my marathon training. Yeah. Um, but they, they're adding mindset. So creating mindset goals and habit goals so and, um, you know, and then a various amount of ability to uh, download different videos, longer form videos, short form videos that are more technique videos. Um, so I think a lot of apps are headed in that direction. Um, you know, I think the other thing to look at is just how long has the app been around and how many users use the app? Because that's, you know, we often joke about the five star rating or whatever. But read those reviews because that, you know, that will tell you a lot. But yeah, I think I think a lot of the mobile apps are going more into what I would call the wellness, general wellness space, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. obviously fitness is a part of that. But, um, you know, I provide fitness mindset, nutrition, as well as accountability for my clients. And and I love doing that. OK, OK. The more the merrier. So, um, to, and I'm thinking like, I'm thinking about myself, like I utilize, you know, virtual, but is there another additional way I can kind of keep communication with my clients without, you know, doing something through my, um, secure, you know, service or, you know, they want to text people. You don't want to, you want to find a way that is a common thread where they expect to see something and knowing that that's already a capability within your, within the fitness realm, it's good to know that there can be, it can be used for other, there's similar uh, applications out there that can be used for other people that have different, um, different, uh, well, and that's, that's what I love about, um, a lot of the options that are out there is that, you know, just like Dr. Parker said, I actually can keep people more accountable in the virtual space than I did as an mm. in-home trainer, because yeah. I know yep. when they did their workout, when they didn't do their workout, <laughs> if they logged their nutrition in, you know, versus when I go up their house twice a week, I had to like, hey, maybe a double S Ford on this one. <laughs> You know too much now. <laughs> I could be messaging them like immediately and saying, "Hey, is everything you know always with you know always from the the you know positive spot? Is everything mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, is log in. What's going on? You know that sort of thing." So there you go. Great. <laughs> I'm just laughing at people that, you know, if they knew all of these capabilities, you know, but it's good because it's, I mean, that's sometimes people need that and that will let them know that you're, that you're there, you're, you're caring about them, that you're there to help them, you know? So, um, Sarita, I want to give you opportunity to talk about this as far as any advice that you would give for people that wanted to improve their virtual presentation skills, as far as, you know, if they utilize a PowerPoint or they want to insert different things, what would be your tips on helping them? You know, just easy things to help them when they're trying to curate something virtual. Oh, man. Like, so I, I do work in um, the first, I'm gonna, just going to go with my first thought. Go for it. Say, go, let's go with your first thought. Uh, so I do work in uh, anti-racist education and um, get a lot of friends who have questions around, oh, what should I be doing? What should I be reading? What should I be doing? Uh, Google is your friend. <laughs> the Google is your friend. Like, so, uh, research, like research the thing that may work the best for you. Like videos that are out there where you want to hone a specific, uh, you know, expertise or, you know, figure out what the best platform is for you. 
like just jump in and do your research. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is uh, find um, like your people, like find people who are doing the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Back to the uh, mentors community. Like, yeah. like this is the time, like you have access to everybody right now. Um, even like, you know, one of the, the uh, anti-racist organizers that's working with us uh, here in St. Louis, working with educators, um, she like sent a tweet out when this first happened, um, you know, just saying she wanted to speak with, uh, I think it was Lynn Manuel, and he responded. And they had like a whole Zoom call that she put it on, like, you know, so she's wow. been, like, everybody's at, you know, in the same space. And so uh, just to that point again, you know, just find those people who you see as experts in the space that you want to grow into and reach out and connect with them. Um, you know, people are happy to help right now. Yeah. And I think that's another thing. Remember, that I'm sorry. <laughs> and hopefully that continues. Yes. And I, I believe this is always, you know, you can look at the glass half full or half empty. And this is an mm-hmm. opportunity to look at everything as half full and look at yeah. how you're able to expand now. And everyone's at home dealing with the same thing you're dealing in. Yeah. But so they, guess what? They may have a free time and they may have that moment. They want to help others and help, you know, this is that opportunity right now to keep being uh, utilizing um, this time that we have. We're not as distracted that we can kind of work on helping others and, you know, moving forward. So mm-hmm. guess a great, like you say, do your research first. That's yeah. I'm hearing as a common yeah. thread amongst all of you guys. Just do your research, figure it. You know, you don't. No one's just going to hand it to you. Like, do some work behind the scenes so you can know what exactly what you want. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely. You know, I'm a person that's pretty active on um, Twitter in the Ed space, and I have my thoughts. I have my particular expertise, but that's one thing I always say. And here's my stance. Here's some um, data and continue your research, like continue your work and your research. Cause it's yeah. not just, you know, one That's person, yours. one perspective, one piece of literature, mm-hmm. you have to continue the work. That's a good way to always kind of end that statement, yeah. but still read, do your work. Yeah. Form, formulate your own opinion as well from what you learned. Mm-hmm. I just pulling off of someone else's. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're getting closer to the end. Time is, uh, has moved quicker than we would have liked. Uh, but mm-hmm. I want to consider uh, do you know kind of focus in on. Um, we're still talking about effect being effective in um, how we're gonna be effective educating, how we're effective in teaching and learning in the virtual space. Um, Heather, um, we you well, you already mentioned about you know you know what what to avoid um now have now especially now with everyone just jumping on board before they actually get in properly trained um how you know do you feel how do you feel this um if you jump too fast in regards to just yes there is a need and i understand like dr parker you it, we understand why people are just really trying to jump on that platform uh, for financial reasons um but and also for their clients but when you do, when you move too fast, things can also collapse. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, what would be, you know, the best types of, uh, you know, you think about everything from their logistics as far as what's behind you, where you're at, the noise, all the different small things that may not be considered. What is the biggest thing you find that what you've seen that probably derailed people that have jumped onto this virtual platform really wasn't, wasn't ready for it yet? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's just, unfortunately, sometimes I think it's education in training and, you know, Dr. Parker and I both talked about this, you know, it's, it's, it's not like you can just translate what you've done in a gym to somebody's home. 
And I've been an in-home trainer since I started. And so everything I've created is for in-home. And so people need to think about that, right? Ahead of time, if you're gonna be creating exercise videos, how are you gonna create those videos? You know, what weights are you gonna use? Are you gonna use resistant bands? What modalities are gonna use? Um, so that's kind of one thing is like, you, you need to remember that this is now a virtual environment where your clients might be working out in home and you need to provide that service so that they can do it effectively and safely at home. Um, it takes a long time to shoot videos, <laughs> especially if you want to shoot them correctly. And so yes. you need to allow, you know, allow time to do that, allow time to build your programs, um, and then figure out, um, what level of service you're going to offer. You know, you, you can just do a one size fits all program where you subscribe everybody to a master program, right? Um, you can do a a one size fits all weight loss program, whatever. And, mm -hmm. and everybody can subscribe to that. Um, or you could do custom. And so I think the other piece is figuring out what your pricing is going to look like and making sure that you understand that and understand why you're going to offer various levels of pricing according to your business structure. So I think it's beyond just being a trainer. It's beyond just the technology. It's running a business. And that's really True. what I do is I run my own business. It's me, myself, and I. It's Freeze Personal Training, and and I don't have anybody else that works for me. So I think that's the other piece you need to think about. And then as you grow, you know, you're going to hire more trainers to work under you. Um, are you going to hire admins? You know, so it's mm -hmm. you need to think of it as a business, and you need to think of it as what, how are you presenting yourself, your business, and how what is your specialty. You know, who yes. do you specialize in? You know, nobody really wants, you know, when you go see a doctor, like I, I just found out I have plantar fasciitis. I didn't go to my general doctor for that. I went to a foot doctor, you know, that he is a specialist. People who are specialists with a set of clients specifically and have gotten educated and trained in that specifically are gonna cost more. But is, isn't that at the end of the day what you want? Right. So True. I think those are kind of the other things to think about. Thank you. And as you're saying this, you know, your people looking at this as it is, they may have already have a business being a personal trainer, but on this virtual platform, it's, it's going to look a little different. So you may have to restructure everything from payment to the whole program set up. Now, another thing with what we may find is once the gyms open up, people feel more safe, some trainers are going to drop off. And to me, I feel, you know, if you have created this service, wouldn't you want to continue it? Um, so Dr. Parker, this is, this again, you have been in this for a long, very long time. Um, what would be your advice to help people to, everything from messaging to creating their platform to being consistent? Because people would just, I'm sure people are going to may just drop off, but they could be hurting their opportunity to utilize this platform in their business. What would be your advice for them? I think, I think it's a larger issue within the fitness business that I think it's just highlighting it. Like I've been in the business almost 20 years and uh, training has always been a come and go business for a lot of people. It mm. is, I can't tell you how many stories of the trainer has become a real estate agent or an insurance agent. Um, and it is not generally thought of as a very long-term profession. It's very rare to see people who's been as long as I have 30 years or you know, 40 years, it's, it's still also in its infancy as well, the profession and actually in a more formal aspect of the certifications and all those things with it. Um, but it's, I think what Heather said, it's very important 
a lot of our business can be seen as almost a hobby business in many ways for a lot of because of the lack of regulation, the low entry level to become a personal trainer for that. And so a lot of times you get a lot of hobbyists in the business who mm. are currently your social media influencers a lot of time or who people actually follow a lot of. And so I think the commitment to being in the business is not already there for a lot of people anyways. And so the virtual space is just another shiny toy for a lot of people. Mm. And then uh, once people come back to gyms, they're like, well, I'm going to go back and do this. I think you have to make a decision of who you want to be, know who you are, and just and continue to do that. When, when I decided to move to a live virtual format, actually, all of my people are live virtual. I don't have anybody in person anymore. Mm. I doesn't mean I don't want to do it. I just was like, well... I'm just going to just do this and really focus on making this really, really good. I think sometimes we do too many things at the same time. Human beings are terrible at multitasking. <laughs> There's so much research behind that procrastination research. It's tremendous. Just knowing human behavior, which has been static forever, forever mm -hmm. in terms of predictability of that on a continuum in terms of our malleability and flexibility behind that. And so I think understanding human behavior is a huge part of, of that and knowing where you land on that. If you're fairly flaky and you're trying to get into virtual training, probably not good yeah. <laughs> to do that. You have to start setting up all these things and have a lot of organization and structure and that's not your strength. It, it may not be good for you. If you, you might be somebody who deals a lot better with somebody telling you where to be, what time the class starts, when you're gonna do, that's okay if that's you that's okay. But mm -hmm. I don't think the virtual space is for every trainer or a person. I really don't. Yeah. I, I just like, I, I don't think everything's for everybody. I think we need to be honest with ourselves. And some yeah. trainers are saying, I don't want to do that. It's not my thing. That's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. I, and so I think there's reality of that too, is being okay with saying, I don't want to be in this space. And then people saying, I do want to be in this space. And some people saying, I prefer to be in this space, no matter what happens for that. There's, there's many options for people, I think. That's why I think it's so important that, you know, within your profession, you build that, you build that, um, that network of people you respect in that realm. Because um, like uh, Heather says, you don't want a general doctor, you want someone to specialize particularly in a certain area. And so being able to, you know, hand that, prefer that client or to someone that, does is really works really well you feel would be a good fit um, for their needs i think that's important and i think when you when you we're talking about the drop off uh, if you know you know that whether whatever space you're in and whatever profession you're in if you're just doing this in the meantime it's good to make sure that the people that you're working with knows that so that that expectation doesn't i mean you don't want to to me it just defeats the purpose of what are we here for as healthcare professionals if we leave our people hanging because you know we can at least um connect them with someone else that can still continue to serve them in their space. And in yeah. regards of uh, the future platform, I mean, again, future is something that we can't really pinpoint. Uh, that's the beauty of the future. Um, when it comes to um, just expansion and just how we find that this is going to be another frontier added to our life now, I think it's permanent. Um, uh, Sharita, especially, you know, within your room, you recognize you have to kind of juggle 700 people <laughs> or synchronize a worldwide organization, you know, um, how do you see, um, this, 
that's going to play out in regards to just the virtual platforms in different in all realms of well, I don't say all realms. I want to throw that on you, but we'll just say keep it within your realm of education. It's even to think about students. I mean, fortunately, our kids, younger kids, they're kind of used to this phone stuff, this social, you know, this virtual thing. It's maybe easier for them, but how do you see this expanding out as a major platform that people really want to bring into their repertoire? Yeah, um, yeah. This will be a part of our lives for mm -hmm. the foreseeable future. And so, you know, it's our work to, to figure out how to best, um, you know, show up, uh, best continue the work that we need to do um, in a virtual um, setting. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm speaking specifically about here in St. Louis, um, you know, we won't have plans. And I'm just kind of putting on my lens for like what's about to happen with students. Uh, we'll know by the second week of July what the plans are for most superintendents okay. yeah. uh, who are going, um, you know, for what the fall will look like. Uh, and most who have let people kind of peek into what their thought process is, there will be some type of hybrid in their plan, some yeah. virtual, some um, in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I can go off on a tangent on how I feel about us even going back in person at all, but. Yeah, Whatever. we'll leave the fun of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally get it. And, and, you know, I, and I think mm -hmm. overall the idea is understanding um, how can we take advantage of this platform, and but mm -hmm. not just our advantage as a consumer or as a, you know, the pupil, but how can we on the other end of the edge, on the professional end, you know, best utilize this to best serve our people that we're working with. And I think, you know, getting comfortable, getting educated, building your mm -hmm. community, building mentors, building a network is the only mm -hmm. way we're going to all um, collectively, you know, create the change that we're trying to collect virtually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Community first. Yeah. So we're going to, we're coming to an end, but before we close out, I want to give everyone a moment to uh, help the, re the readers help the viewers and <laughs> listeners uh, find out ways because you guys have brought a lot of information. Some people have not thought about this and they may reach out to you for some of these different services or just your guidance. So I want to make sure they have a way of reaching out to you, connecting to you, following you. Um, Dr. Parker, I'll let you go first. Can you give us, um, how can people learn about you, uh, connect with you, follow you? I think uh, one of the easiest ways to learn about me and just as a person and you know, to understand how I communicate with people and what I do is through my podcast, Dr. D's Social Network. They're always about an hour to two hour conversations with people from all walks of life. You'll get to know my personality through that forum mm -hmm. and without even talking to me, you'll get an understanding of what I care about, what I love, how I like to help people, those things for that. So I definitely like to have people check that out. And uh, two is I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. It's pretty much the only social media I have, professional media. It's just what I like to do and uh -huh. post about a lot about just being positive, helping other people, uh, being a light for others uh, is really important to me and providing good information um, for others, I think is important. So, I mean, those are the, I keep it very simple. Those are the main ways <laughs> to, to connect with me. And I'm very open and transparent. I'm happy to speak to any person that contacts me and hopefully be a, be a good example of goodness and kindness to other people. Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate that. And it, like you said, let people know who you are first. Uh, because, you know, yeah. not reading the headline, but reading the fine print, reading the literature behind it. What's the name of your podcast show again? It's Dr. D's Social Network. Dr. D's Social Network. Great. Um, Sarita, give you your opportunity. 
Yeah, um, like I said, I'm really active on Twitter. Um, any social media outlet, um, S Love, the number two, educate. Um, and from there, you can pretty much find any link that you need to find for me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Keep it simple. Just one or two ways and they'll figure the rest out. They know they're getting savvy. <laughs> Do your research. <laughs> there you go. Do your research. <laughs> and Heather, how can people find you or connect with you? <laughs> yep. A few different ways. Uh, social. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Freeze Training. Um, my website is freezetraining.com. And okay. email me, Heather at freezetraining.com. All very simple. Um, but uh, like everyone else has said, I think it's important to get to know the person that you're going to work with. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very transparent. Uh, people will know quickly what I believe in and what I don't believe in. Um, and I always, you know, try to impress upon people that I am in this for the long haul. I'm 52 years old. I've already had two careers. This is my, uh, this is my swan song. And what I tell people is I've trained my whole life to do this. You know, I, I love this. This is my life's purpose now. And uh, follow me and see what I'm all about. And if you think I can help you, great. If not, I hope, hope you can find somebody to help you on your wellness journey. I tell you, the combination of this, this panel, it just, it just makes my heart sing. I just hear passion. I hear um, just a drive to just help others to better themselves and I, I appreciate all the work that you all have been been doing and are continuing to do um so thank you guys for being a part of this podcast show and for those who are out there this is great information for yourself or for your neighbor um, take opportunity to share uh, to comment uh, because these are the conversations we need to have especially moving into this new frontier of this virtual platform so thank you again guys for being a part of the show Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Roshonda. So continue to come back for more wellness-related topics. Please join me every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time right here in my dining room to help give you information on all wellness-related topics that mean the most to you during these times. And don't forget to support our students by going to www.genyouthnow.org to learn about their grant funding program in response to the COVID-19 crisis. It's called For School's Sake. So follow them on Facebook and Instagram and see all of the impact they are making by supplying schools with resources and food needed to keep our students safe and fed. So thanks again and see you soon.